Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is season two of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 podcast platforms, including Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Anchor. The video version is available on YouTube. Today I'm chatting with my colleague, Hannah Martin. Hannah is the founder of the Talented Ladies Club, an online magazine and training portal for ambitious women. She's an award-winning copywriter with over 23 years of experience working for some of the world's top ad agencies and brands, and is qualified as a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, and NLP practitioner. Hannah has been investigating and publishing articles on the multi-level marketing industry since 2017. As a heads up, my internet connection was a bit wonky yet again, so this video may be a bit pixelated here and there. My apologies in advance. And now let's welcome Hannah to the show. Hannah, thank you so very much for joining me today. Now, one of the things that I want to find out from you, because I always think our backstories are so interesting, is how and why you started writing about multi-level marketing companies. Uh, Well, I actually started writing about them, I think it was in 2016, but I realized recently actually what really motivates me. So when I was growing up, my parents had their own business and they were, my parents were very honest business people. They were a small business Um, and I watched them as a child. So obviously what what happens on my children are often our formative experiences. And I watched them working really hard, but getting screwed over by bigger businesses quite a lot um it got to the point they had a bit they had a building company so often they would do the work they would play their teams they would buy the materials and then when it came to their invoices getting paid the bigger companies would come up with all kinds of reasons why they weren't going to pay the invoices and I remember one time in particular we went on holiday and a company that my dad had worked for had just gone under um and my, they owed my dad fifty thousand pounds and my dad never got the money and he had to go on holiday with us with that looming over him and the risk of he might lose his house. And the guy that had that company closed that company down because it had debts, including my, my, the money he owed my dad. He started one up the next week with a different name and just carried on trading. Um, so having that background, I, I, I had a really strong sense of what it was like close at hand to see people work honestly and be screwed over by other people. So I started my website, Tanthe Pub, in 2013, um, and we, I had a few MLMs on the site, like Arbonne, Stella and Dot, and I didn't realise what they were. I thought they were what they presented to be, which were opportunities for women, and particularly moms and money at home. And then I watched Betting on Zero, and, and that really opened my eyes. I was horrified, and, and particularly for me, it was the, the story about the undocumented people, the Hispanic people, who, who didn't have much money anyway, and were trying um, to really, uh, you know, to try and make something themselves, and, to, and not millionaires necessarily, but just to get some money on the table to support their families, and, and, and borrowing money to join this opportunity as it was sold to them. And, and not only that, but when... You know, I remember when we went to the Herbalife conference with, with Doug, Doug Brooks, and then we were just basically there were, they were, they were other people being told to ignore those people. They just they just troublemakers. You know, they're nothing. Um, and that really, um, I think probably part of that really resonated with me is watching my parents go through something quite similar in a, in a different context. Um, I came really horrified and couldn't quite believe this was actually really something that happened so I looked into it and the more I looked into it it wasn't just Herbalife the documentary was about Herbalife but it was part of an industry um 
And I, I was just, I was, you know, I was, I was horrified. So I started researching it and I wanted to spread the word. I couldn't believe that, that more wasn't learned, known about this and that people still thought this was a good business model. Um, so that's when I started um, writing articles about it. And obviously, as you probably found as well, once you get into it and you start learning about it, it becomes more horrible and you cover these layers and you become more passionate about sharing the information that you find. Absolutely about the layers and the passion. I find my passion for it just continues to grow because I just, I get angrier and angrier and more frustrated and more horrified by this entire beast. Now, recently you wrote an article, I'm not going to get the title of it correct, but it was absolutely brilliant because you talked about how people are getting to the top of MLMs, which is the subject I think is extremely fascinating. For one, when I first started doing my anti-MLM videos, I did a video about the Sheffield, um, I think they're called the Sheffield group, where they teach you how to create an MLM. And I'm like, well, this is awful. And one of the modules they have is about recruiting. And I'm like, ah, and then they have this whole thing in there about how to um, basically find the leaders and then how you reward them. And I only could see it was public facing, but I got enough from that. I'm like, okay, so you are teaching people how to spot the people that already know how to recruit people and to build them up and to bring them over into a different company. Got it. I mean, it just, you know, read between the lines and your piece really seemed to go into that as well. And how also that these top people are, um, buying their way to the top and also doing things with um, purchasing product through particular people underneath them and just basically manipulating the entire system to hold their spot and their income. So that's what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is like, let's dive into what's going on now. I believe that your piece was about young living. Is that correct? Forever living, the aloe vera MLM. Yes. Get them confused. What can I say? The names always crack me up too, because it's like, oh my gosh, this sounds silly. I mean, the, all the names are just silly to me at this point. Okay, so forever living. So yeah, um, talk a bit about that, because I know you were talking about, I guess there the rank is manager, which I mean, not really a manager. I mean, all, those titles also always kill me that they're just these bogus little words that they redefine in some way. And so talk to us about, you know, what you experienced, how you were able to uncover what's actually going on within that particular MLM, which of course then is going on in all the other ones, just slightly differently because there's different, you know, titles and stuff. And it's just, you know, but they're all basically the same, in my opinion. No, and no, I agree. And it's interesting that I've interviewed, so I have actually interviewed, um, I, I had an amazing opportunity. So a woman who, who'd got to Eagle Manage. I don't know, I was like you, it's just a, a word, but apparently it's quite a, a, a high up position in, in Forever Living. Um, and she very bravely told me, so it allowed me to share it. I have spoken to quite a few people from who've got relatively high up in companies. Not all of them are ready to share or comfortable with sharing because they're really afraid of the backlash against them. Um, and this particular woman was really brave in, in you know, because she is potentially identifiable in, in, in what she's sharing. The people that she's talked about will know potentially it's her. Um, but yeah, because I've interviewed lots of people, I was able, what she told me resonated. And I knew there was nothing in there that really shocked me, but it was great to have someone explain it in such a, a clear way. Um, and it is that I've interviewed someone who got to the top of Unique as well and, and, and 
it was very similar there. Um, and I think what is interesting, actually, having spoken to several people at the top of these companies, there's a very specific kind of personality, as you say, people in the company, it, the higher up people in there can spot these type of people. And actually, this person was quite quickly because she'd worked in retail as a manager and was a really good set in, in a genuine retail environment, you know, on the high street. Um, and that's what you often get. There are some people who are naturally good at sales. Um, and these people are able to get to the top because they're not and they're not just selling the products they're selling the opportunity and this is what the woman said to me she knew she'd be really good at, at recruiting because she's really good at recruiting this is another different kind of selling so rather than sell you know an aloe vera drink for example she was selling make money with aloe vera um and so all the top reps i have their former top reps i've spoken to were all a similar personality what i will also say is all top reps i've spoken to have all gotten out because they suddenly had a realization that what they had to do and what others were doing to get to this place and wanted to stay there, what didn't sit right with them. Um, and, and they were horrified when they realized what, what, it, what other people were doing to get higher than them, what they would have to do, what they would be told to do. And, and what, you know, the, the, the um, unique lady I spoke to suddenly realized the only way she was making money was from the money that was lost by her downline and that she had to tell them to keep putting money in for her to maintain her place. That is just absolutely heartbreaking to, I, I mean, I just can't imagine being that person and telling those people to keep going, you know, and knowing, knowing what you know, mm. because it, it definitely, it has to take a particular type mm. that I, I think you almost have to like lose your humanity, lose your ethics and morals. All of that has to be stripped away because you only can focus on one thing and that's yourself and your bottom line and nobody else matters. They're just a number. Mm. I, I, I thought about this quite a lot. I do think that um, it definitely suits a more narcissistic personality type because you have to lack that empathy. Because if you really think about what you're doing to people and, and, and so the people who, who leave ultimately have this realization, it, it becomes untenable to stay there if you, if you have humanity. I think also that what they do is that they, they tell themselves lies. They tell themselves that these people don't work hard enough. They tell themselves these people don't really. And, and I think maybe... Certainly some of them probably start to believe, you know, if you tell a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. Um, and I think that's why also, um, you know, I, I do hear this a lot in the companies. There's not really much love lost between the people at the top. You know, they're all out, out for themselves. You know, they're sharks in a shark tank. Um, but they, they need each other because collectively they can they can have that sort of... Um, they, they can continue that illusion. They can, they can, they can delude themselves, delusion, not illusion. They can continue to delude themselves collectively and tell themselves they're great and tell themselves it's okay what they're doing and tell themselves that it's the fault of the people underneath them. And I think that allows them to, to continue what they're doing. I, I think you're definitely right that collectively that is that they keep themselves in the delusion of everything is just fine. But at the same time, I think it also perpetuates the illusion to the downline of like, you know, you can get there as well because you hear like their, their stories. And I believe mm -hmm. in your article, you spoke about how um, somebody was basically coached mm -hmm. to make up a story, which, you know, when I read that, it, I got so angry mm -hmm. because it's like, how dare people just, again, come up with BS. And I know I've heard about that in Unique. Like if you have not been a victim of sexual assault will use somebody else's story and basically make it your own. 
which is, I mean, and I'm a victim of sexual assault. I've been through that. And so that hit me really hard to know that people would use that in a, such an unethical t- way. So can you talk a bit about, you know, they're, they're all, cause it's always the rags to riches hell. Life was utterly horrible until all of a sudden MLM, the savior of the world appears in their life and like magic, you know, mm. their life is forever changed. Whoa. Angel singing. Exactly. Yeah, no, no and, I, and, I, and I think you're right. And I think it's really cynical. I think also, I think more than the rags to riches is I was shy anxious depressed and look at me now and and I, the really good ones if you I was watching um one of them last week on a video you know she would pause and her big fake eyelashes would flutter and she'd put you know like I mean she should have got an Oscar for this you know she'd you know try and stop herself from crying before she could carry on um and I think that they it's a it's a very cynical way of uh, looking for victims. They are looking for people who are broken. They are looking for people who are vulnerable because this is, you know, people sometimes ask me, what's the classic person that MLMs target? And it's, there's no single demographic. They look for vulnerability because you can exploit vulnerability. Um, so that's why they'll say, you know, I was bullied. Uh, I was sexually abused. Um, I was poor. I had debt. You know, I, and, you know, and they will, it's, it's really interesting to see some of the top, top people. They'll sometimes say, oh, I had a really good job and look at me now. And sometimes that same person will say, I had a really disempowered job. You know, I had a really poor job with not, without, without much power. It depends on what it suits them who they're talking to at the time. They, they do manipulate a story. But the one thing is common is they will try to talk about something that you can relate to. So you can think you can trust this person. They are like you or they were like you but they've now been transformed to the so they you know if they were shy they're now confident if they were bullied they're now strong if they were poor they're now rich and and they sell the fantasy of whatever it is that you would desire to get to that you think might be out of your reach and they reach down towards you and tell you I was just like you you too can be like me now and that's why they do it um that's that's why and and, and was one of the things when I interviewed that woman that um, she was she was most adamant she wanted in, in, in that article because she thought it's really really important um, and that that disgusted her the most because exactly that it, it someone who hasn't been to those things and actually most of them are bullied or they use bullying tactics as, as, as the top reps they are they have to, to to maintain that position so it's all the more worse to look for victims of bullying that you're then going to bully in effect um so yeah it was really important to her that that was in the article because it was a thing and she was she was utterly horrified at the how these stories are made up for the stage and you know the thing is is I don't know it's so weird it's like when I watch these top people to this day I want to believe them I want to think that they are good people I really 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 do but I also know too much to know they're just not, they're just, you, you can't be a good ethical, moral person and continue, especially at the very top ranks to, you know, shill the dream. And some of these people, cause I mean, you look at them, they look like you and me, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, we could go out, have a glass of wine, have a coffee, you know, look, and you feel like you could do something with them that you could hang out with them. And I think that's one of the, um, the pieces of the puzzle of exploitation of that, you know, human connection. 
And I think that what's also becoming more and more problematic, and when, you know, Vima shut down, that was going after college students, but there's other companies that are also going after very young people who are vulnerable, whose, you know, minds are not fully formed, and they're being fed this fantasy. And, and, and I feel like, and let me know if you've experienced this, that they are looking for those young people who naturally can attract people to them for whatever reason, you know, they just, maybe they're in a fraternity, maybe they're in sports or in something where people just gravitate to that person. But these companies are looking for that and like, okay, how can I exploit that person? I can make them promises so that they can bring in more people that already like them. Do you have any, you have the insight on any of that? I do. And actually, I get a lot of media inquiries because um, I, I, I've helped a lot of documentaries and, 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 and I've been on TNE quite a lot about multi-level marketing. So I get a lot of inquiries. And, and the, the, what, the most frequent one I get now is these companies, the, the, you know, the media wanting to cover the MLMs targeting the youth. And I think what happens if you think about the model, you know, it's pyramid shaped. You require a huge number of people on the bottom. And we know there's a big turnover. Um, I once found a Herbalife document that said that their turnover at the bottom, let's say the entry level was in a year was 99%. So every year, 99% of the people at the bottom would leave. So we know that, that they have a high turnover. So that they, they, it's a hungry machine. Um, and as especially today with more and more um, anti-MLM content out there and more, much more awareness than ever was of what MLM is and also why it doesn't work. I think that they're finding it harder to sell and recruit. And so they're looking for new markets. And one of the things that we know we, we've talked about is them going into, they go to Asia and South America. And countries where people don't have much money and, and, and struggle sometimes to feed their families. So they're going to those markets. And also people who don't have the awareness or necessarily education, um, economic education to really look at this and, and see if what it is. But the, 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 the market they go to in the West um, where maybe it's a more mature market and they've run out of potentially people that they think. They're going to the young people because they're hoping that these people, they don't have an awareness. They don't have, again, economic, they haven't got life, you know, they haven't got life experience. So they, they might be a bit greener. Um, and they, they also, they don't have money. They, um, and they, they like a nice lifestyle, young people. And you're exactly that. But I, I see them going after, you know, sports degrees. You know, like, so sometimes um, a couple of friends of mine who've got children at university, both of their sons have been doing sports degrees. They both contacted me to say, my son has been approached to join. You know, what, how could, what can you share to help me give some information to him? So I think, but they always do. You know, we talked about them just now going after, being able to spot the people, you know, that other people gravitate towards, that are able to, to sell and to convince people. And they're very good at that. So they, will find, they, will, they will find influencers, but they, they do it in the UK. Um, they will find, um, so, uh, but people who go on the reality shows, very primary reality shows of young people. And, um, and they'll, and, and so they're kind of minor celebs. And you go on the reality show, there's a burst of kind of, of publicity afterwards that makes you think, wow, I want to work in the media. But actually there's lots of these people, same kind of people, and there's not much work. Um, and so they go, well, how, do I, how do I stay relevant? How do I make money? And so they're looking for opportunities. And so they often, I see them promote MLMs because they're, and of course these people have got fans that are young. So yeah, I see that quite a lot. Yeah, and that's, I mean, these influencers who are doing it, I mean, I just want to like grab them and shake them and say, stop it, just stop it. 
But of course, I understand they're looking to get their coin. I mean, that's the bottom line and maintain their lifestyle. And it goes back to, I think, the personality of you have to be willing to deceive people and just not really care, you know, because otherwise, if you care, you, you just you just can't do it, you know, um, there was something else that I was going to ask. And now my mind went absolutely blank. I just love it when that happens. <laughs> um, within the UK, let's talk a bit about what are the ones that are currently targeting youth there? Because I know like here, I've been doing some stuff on I Am Academy recently. And, you know, that's targeting a lot of young men, a lot of young men in Africa, a lot of young men in Latin America. And it's just absolutely disgusting. And then I did um, another video on the Zapphire, which looks to be as like a straight up Ponzi scheme, which is, you know, targeting youth in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So which ones in the UK right now are, you know, the monsters, so to speak, going after the kids? Um, I the Bitcoin ones, obviously, and all those kind of ones. Um, I think in the UK, what I, I mean, I, I'm obviously not a youth. <laughs> I don't, and I also don't consume um, the influencer kind of, you know, the, 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 it's a world that's sort of quite far removed from me. So I'm probably, uh, there are probably ones that are massive that, I, that I'm not that I'm aware of. The ones I am aware of, um, FM World, which are, are predominantly perfumes, start out with one product and then go into everything they all do kind of the weight loss stuff and all of that because you know there's only so many perfumes you can buy so fm world um uh born and new skin i've seen uh go in valentis the coffee one um so i, I see them going after the young ones I, I to be fair i think all of them would you know like they're, they're all looking for the opportunity and i think what you tend to see is is when when one company locks on to something that might work they'll all just watch and follow they'll kind of think oh you know that's a really good idea that's working um let's you know and as you and i know i believe these companies may sell different products but in effect the structure will work in the same way um so if it works for one the chances are it's going to work for another one because fundamentally they, they apply the same system um so yeah so i, I i'm there's probably other ones that I, like i say i'm just not aware of because i'm not consuming that kind of content now, what I find so interesting about the youth is like, I mean, even me growing up and, you know, because when you would watch TV, people would be living like in a New York loft that there's no way that, you know, in your 20s, you can afford that. That's just not going to happen. But these days with social media, you see all these people with, you know, flexing the cars, the fancy homes, um, you know, just basically lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. And they're not necessarily saying well, it's because of new skin, but there's an implication within that. And it seems to me that the youth are being bombarded more than ever before with these ideas that the only way to be happy is to have a Maserati, a Lambo, um, you know, a, a mansion, and then a penthouse somewhere else, and a yacht, and a this, and a that. All of these things, which are also perpetuated within, um, you know, music videos and stuff. And I don't know what we can do to reach our youth to be like, that's not going to get you there. An honest living is better than trying to go after something that sounds good because all of these people who are flexing, the bottom line is they're all like scraping pennies together because they don't really have anything. It's just goes back to the illusion of that. Um, 
So have you come across, you know, some opportunities to be able to look at social media from that lens of how it's being used to further fuel the idea of this, you know, fancy lifestyle? I, I think I think it is twofold. One is there is um, a lot of, and, and again, it's not like I'm not the youth, and I'm and I'm not using. I don't even I don't I've never even been on TikTok, um, and I think you know you have to go to where they are and talk and talk as someone who's a peer in a language. But I think why I think it's so great. There's such diverse community of people broadcasting anti-MLM messages now because it's the people who are like them that will reach them. So I think first of, first of all, you need people going onto the place where these people, young people are, and then talking language, they, they'll believe these people. I think secondly, you know, we all have a, I'm, I'm a parent, I've got, I've got two children, my son is 18, and it, you know, and I see him actually wearing like design, you know, head-to-tone designer stuff that he buys off Depop we have in the UK, which is like a, like an eBay for teenagers, they buy secondhand clothes. Like he's dressed in head-to-toe designer stuff, He's a student. Like, I don't know where, where he, he finds the money for it, but also the, the fact that they all have to have these labels. Um, but I think it, it comes in as parents instilling good values in, in our children. And you know, my, my parents did for me, you know, my mum always said, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And, it, and it's an it's a, a motto that has done held me. And I said, when I was in my 20s, I traveled the world on my own. And there were always scams. You know, to me, MLM is a scam. It's just another scam. But I remember when I was traveling um, in the 90s um, around Asia, there's the gem scam that would be like, you know, people would, would, would approach travelers and backers. And they would, you know, the, the various stories but ultimately meant, you know, there's an amazing business deal, but we can't do one part of it. What you do is part of it. It's really easy for you to do and you'll make lots of money. But of course, it involves you. You know, ultimately, at some point, you're parting with money. And, and my mum's my mom's kind of motto is how being a set in life. When I've encountered scams, I've seen them. You know, and I, I got approached the jam, gem scam. But, you know, the, the basic values I was given as a child have stayed with me as an adult. So, you know, so I can look at something and, 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 and I can also know that, you know, wearing a designer jacket might feel good, might look good. But, but if I'm not happy, that design jacket is not going to make me happy. And I think, you know, when you, you, you talked about that. And I think... There's a few things here. One is that actually wealth in and of itself is not instantly you know, going to make you happy or make you fulfilled or make you more meaningful. That's not actually where those things have, where those things come from. But also actually seeing through this, you know, what would have been um, actually quite, um, would have been looked down upon a few years ago, this ostentatious display of wealth you know, is is something that's very much of our era. And then the fact that it's become socially acceptable um, to, to some people, because it wasn't always so. And, and as you say, you know, it's a bit like, you know, the whole thing on Facebook a few years ago, you know, the people who were always putting a happy family photos up were the ones getting divorced in the background because they felt a need to, to, to show this. And I find that with MLM, the... So it, when they, they display a lifestyle, often the wealth comes, there is wealth there, but it's come from somewhere else. And they, and this is how you get you get more wealth by immediately catapulting yourself up the MLM chain by pretending you acquired this through MLM. You didn't, like that came from somewhere else. Or as you say, and as I've often uncovered, a lot of these top bots are, you know, they have debt up to their eyeballs. You know, they'll buy the McMansion because they need the McMansion. They need the Lamborghini and the drive. They don't own the Lamborghini. They don't own the mansion. They're rented, or they, you know, they've got so much debt on it, and it's a precarious house of cards. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a twofold. That's a long answer question, I know, but it, it is one is that the their peers need to talk about them peer to peer. So so we need 
great and we there's a lot of this now good anti-MLM content for people who talk like them and, and look like them and have a lifestyle like them they can relate to and secondly it's just it will raise our children giving them good values to see through this as, as rubbish well, I think that it's very important, like you said, that, you know, they're talking to them in their language. Now, oftentimes what I do find, because I, I don't tick or talk, I always say I have a TikTok account, but I've never, you know, I'm like, that, that's just not my bag. You know, I mean, I enjoy making these videos. It's like I can spend time editing and doing that, not the TikTok. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll tick and talk. I don't, I just don't foresee it anytime in the near future. But at the same time, I sometimes find that some of the things that I see with these youths talking about like, well, is this a scam or is this not a scam? They may be speaking the language, but they don't have enough knowledge about the overall scam in and of itself, which I also think is a problem because I almost hear them saying like, well, it's just marketing. Then they don't really see the levels and depth of what the problems are with MLM, which I want them to, you know, go at it deeper. But I think that only comes if you kind of like you and me, if somebody mm -hmm. chooses to latch onto this and really start digging in, because I think that takes a certain personality, I guess, people who like to research, you know, and um, figure things out and uncover stuff. Um, but I do worry about whether or not people are getting enough or the correct information from, you know, like the very young people who do speak out against, you know, MLMs. And I don't really have an answer for that. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about that either. And, and I, I think I, I, that's a good point, but I think that that's where the larger puzzle comes in play. Because I think even though the content that I put out there, you know, on my website and, and that you put out there on your new channel, these, these young people may be watching that, but other people will be watching that and that will filter down. So maybe their parents watch and they become aware and they talk to their children, they talk to the teenager, the teenager comes home and goes, oh, my friends, you know, you know, driving a Mercedes Benz and they're 21 and they haven't got a job, you know, and the, the parents can then say, well, actually have a look at this in a different, you know, look at it in, in, in you know, don't take it surface level, look at it more deeply. So I think, I, I think, I think that the more information and knowledge is out there in as many varied ways by as many varied people as possible, then it, it's going to be more, it's like the collective group brain, isn't it? That, that, that ultimately it's going to be, be, be accepted as more as, as a fact and as knowledge that, that it will filter down to them even if and, and even if the, the, the younger you the kind of creators who maybe don't have all of the pieces of knowledge if they get one piece of information and they can then go one piece of it, it's a chink in the armor that might just then start get someone to look at it and then just you know just it'd be enough to, to help them avoid it just, just having that opportunity to stop some someone in their track so like maybe rethink this concept I think that is very important as well because it's something I was thinking about this morning um, as I was getting ready to talk to you I was like you know MLMs use a lot of shame you know mm -hmm. you if you're failing it's because you didn't work hard enough or you're not doing the system correctly somehow you're inferior in some way otherwise you'd be sipping a Mai Tai on the beach because you know everybody else is which they absolutely are not so I'm kind of wondering this, and I would like to get your thoughts on it. How shame has been used to keep people in? Could we use shame, you know, collectively, socially for a reason not to join if it becomes shameful to be part of this type of, you know, opportunity? What do you think? I, yeah, I think you, that's a very good point. And they do use, it, it is, it's very much like an abusive relationship. Once you were in an MLM, 
the they use exactly the same structure of manipulation and shame is the key one so of all those things and, and i see this all the time it works absolutely it works all you have to do is do it and if it doesn't work for you you're the one with the problem because it works but and i think do you know what i i i don't like shame and i don't like using it in, in any way um and actually you know i don't even like shaming um, I deliberately, I never talk about individual people. I will talk about the actions of individual people in a company. And I don't know. And for me, it's not about the people. It's about the whole structure. But I think shame is naturally happening because of, you know, certainly when I see the in the online MLM groups that, that exist, um, and they are huge. I mean, you know, there are some of them are hundreds of thousands of people in, in these online groups. And the more they become aware of, of how awful this business model is, then there's almost there's a natural kind of shame the other way that that so in the past if someone came up to you and said so I had when my my son started school um, another mum there sold Avon and she'd hand his catalogues around didn't know her that well but I feel like oh she'd give me a catalogue I have to order something from her so I would and I would every time she gave him one I, I didn't want any of it didn't even use half of it but I felt I felt social obligation to buy from her and I actually ridiculously now looking back felt bad because I wasn't spending that much I spent 15 pounds a time but I felt bad because I was buying the cheapest stuff in the catalogue I didn't really want it but I think now people because they felt embarrassment you know social shame at not participating and I think now what's really great is that doesn't really exist because people know what M&Ms are and there's almost shame on the person who is putting themselves putting in that so if someone gave me a, you know a picture they invited me to a party um or I was at a party and someone actually transpired it was an M&M party I would feel no uh, no embarrassment about about going well actually shame on you and I, I will call people and I will say to them, if I'm on a Facebook group and someone used that as a pitch and I will, I will say, shame on you for pitching to people. It's not appropriate. You are selling a pyramid scheme. I believe it's a pyramid scheme. So I think shame, it, it, it kind of exists naturally in, in what has we have more awareness and how we see those people doing it. And then, so I, I don't believe in using shame consciously, but I think it, it is what is happening organically because it's seen as that is not a nice thing to be doing. And that person, especially at the bottom of the pyramid, may not be aware that they are doing something awful, which is why I don't believe in, in, in actually, you know, make, you know, about calling them, you know, being horrible to them. I actually feel, I feel they're victims. Um, but the shame is the natural kind of result of happening. Someone trying to either sell products or recruit someone into what I believe is not an ethical business. I, I agree with all of that, because like you, I don't want to like, like react to that stay at home mom, because to me that stay at home mom is not the scammer. She's a mm. victim and she's involved in a scam, but she's not the cause of it. So I don't want to shame her, you know, and be like, oh, you're a horrible person because I don't, I don't think she is. Now, when you start getting up to the people at the top, I and examine them and I can like decipher everything that's going on there and tell their stories. I have no problem saying that they're, you know, unethical and what they're doing is, you know, horrible because it is, they're the cause of this being perpetuated. But I, I do like how you stated about um, Shane being, organic now. And I think that's kind of what I was getting to is that I think that there is going to be a, a change in the tide because like you, I can remember um, when I was living in the Chicago area, I was getting Avon products then. And I mean, and I liked them and it was like, it was convenient because, you know, a catalog arrived. I'm like, I don't have to really think about it. And the person was nice, but Avon was a little bit different then too versus what it is now. 
And I, I, I never really felt pressured and it was never about joining a team. It was, it was very relaxed and just kind of whatever. And over the course of my lifetime, I have been involved and invited and held MLM parties, not having a clue that's what it was because there wasn't that awareness. But now with more and more and more people speaking their truth, telling their stories um, on social media, wherever, wherever this is out in the media with all these you know articles coming out and different documentaries and everything, I do think that tide is turning where... It is just, um, I guess, a a social consciousness of this is an ethical um, business model and you shouldn't do it. And, you know, shame on you for trying to get people involved without saying shame on you as a human being, but just mm-hmm. like, this is not something that we want to continue. And I think it's like, you know, being able to get those people to wake up. And fortunately, from reading your articles, watching videos, coming across things on Instagram, on t- wherever they're coming across it, people are slowly, I feel, going, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. So how is it like, you, do you find out from people? Do they leave comments? Do they write to you? Do they say, thank you because of this that you wrote? I finally saw the light. Have you had that experience? Yeah, I don't get a lot of stuff because I mean, obviously, it's the it's published on my site and it there's no photo of me, so uh, you know my byline is you know my name is on there, um, but I'm not sort of front and, and center. But I do get email. I I get more emails from really angry people, um, uh, you know, some say you know wishing I would die and and and, and things like that, um, and it just generally saying I've got it horrifically wrong and and you know um, I have had emails from people thanking me saying that it has helped them or it's helped them to share something with someone else. Um, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, and, and it's, it's, I, I always sad. I think when I see people get sucked in, there was an article I wrote, um, I did one on Osborne books at home. And the reason I did that is, is a woman got in touch with me and, and she suffered some really bad anxiety. She'd been a cashier at a supermarket that was, you know, for like about 20 years or so. And she was caring for her aging parents. So she, she was made redundant from a job or had to give it up. I can't remember. But anyway, she, she wasn't alone working at the supermarket, didn't know how she would make money. And I guess I had severe anxiety, um, wasn't on social media personally at all. And then someone recruited her into Osborne Books. And, 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 and she and she'd got in touch with me and I and, and she asked me, you know, is, should I be doing this? Someone is, and I know you've written about MLM, but should I be doing this? Um, and um, and so and I said, well, I said, well, I don't know much about them. I said, but let me before you join, let me find out some stuff and maybe, you know, I can you know, help you. It took me two weeks to research to write the article. By the time I written it, she'd already been recruited. When I when I had the link to the article, I had the classic you've probably had this classic response of someone who is totally immersed I was evil I hadn't didn't know the business properly you know all the kind of stuff that they're told by their upline to say um and really and I actually watched her because um I was really worried about her and and she set up all these social media accounts for her business and and did it really badly because she wasn't used to social media she had no real life friends she couldn't go out and do parties or go anywhere because she couldn't leave the house because social anxiety and she left the business shortly after and would undoubtedly have lost a lot of money um uh so it's really sad because sometimes you just can't help people. Um, I thought it was really interesting with her that watching that. So she contacted me knowing m and were a scam and thinking, well, this one seems okay. 
you know, so, you know, this one's different to the others. This is why I wrote it. Is it a different one? And, and I discovered that from, from my research, I believe it's the same as all the others. Um, and but by the time I, two, it took two weeks, all it took for her to go, I'm a little bit sus about it to, <laughs> I'm the worst person in the world because I've clearly, you know, written something horrible about a wonderful company. Um, that just shows you how quickly people get indoctrinated into the belief that this is the answer, this is their savior, this is going to change their life along with changing the planet and saving the planet. You know, it's, it's amazing how all these companies are doing that, you know, and yet. And, and I think what's, what's really interesting, I think that exactly what you know, the indoctrination is that, you know, I mean, not, I've worked for companies that are great. I've worked for companies, but they're not so great. But they're, they're, you know, I can have an opinion on them. And even a company that's great, you know, people are free, are free to criticize something. I've never been in any situation in life, relationship, job, anything, where something has been wholly wonderful. You know, there are good things and bad things. And there are bad things that have some okay elements to it. You know, and there are good things that, that don't have such great things. Because that's, that's the, the nature of the world we live in. There is no black and white. It's all shades of grey. But and the thing when someone goes into an MLM, it's like well yeah those things are not so great and bother me but this one this sort of thing's okay it is totally wonderful yeah. everything about it it's that cult like thing there is no aspect of it that is not perfect and that's not reality that literally as you said it's indoctrination they have been brainwashed when in these companies because the upline are, are wonderful and saint-like and, and and it's not that's not life and they're not free to have a, a, an independent opinion about this and then they actually use that because they'll say People criticise their jobs, but no one ever criticises this company. They don't criticise it because they're not allowed to criticise it because they have to see it. And it's unnatural, um, unnaturally perfect thing, which doesn't exist. And I think that's what's really, really scary because you bring up very good points in terms of just anything in life. I mean, my husband, who I love to pieces, he's got great aspects, but there are some things that it's like, that's a little bit annoying. Same thing with me. I'm not perfect. You know, I know I do some things that annoy him. That's just kind of how things are. No matter what you do, there's going to be things where it's like, well, that's not great. And there are companies that some are better than others. And, you know, and then you're able to freely move and stuff. But within all of that, Whenever I found something like problematic at a company where I work for, I always had like a buddy and, you know, we'd be talking about stuff and it was never like, oh, don't you say that about X, Y, and Z. You're not, you know, made to feel like you can't say anything and just, you know, put a zipper on it and just, you know, shut up and because everything's great. It is such a um, living life with I guess, you know, the rose colored glasses and just film over you and not seeing reality for what it is. And I think one of the things that really tugs at my heart so much are those people who are not making money, but yet will go from this one to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, and continue doing it 10, 20 years or more. And I really want to be able to grab them and get them out. But I just really feel like they're going to have to, if they ever do come to terms. Have you ever examined anything like that about how and why people stay into it, that longevity of hopping from one to another? And still, they're not seeing results, but they still believe that they will have the results. 
those are the people I feel most for. And I think, you know, for them, they have that they've bought the essential dream of an MLM, which is it is possible to earn money easily selling to your friends at home, you know, being a boss or whatever. Um, and it's just like that competition didn't work for them, but the dream remains. And, and, and those people are really feel because they, you know, it's never, you know, you and I know it's never going to work. Then they do hop from one to one and, and they never get what there is they're looking for. And they never will with that. But those people are, are to me, the ones that, because actually it's obviously, they're not happy with their life. If they were, they wouldn't be doing this. See, there is something fundamentally missing in their life. They're trying to find through MLM. And they've bought the idea that it's possible. And that makes me most sad because I've seen people join one company, maybe lose money, and then get out and then just go back to their life. Um, and, and there's a big difference between those and the people that jump from, from company to company. And the ones that jump from company to company, it's a bit like an alcoholic or a drug addict. They're trying to fill a hole that, that's never going to be filled by MLM. And... and and I and I'm not sure whether those people ever really find it because it's not going to be found. Look, there is a bit like an addict, and they need there will need to be some significant intervention to get them to not just see that that company, that business model doesn't work, but that hope they're looking for is not going to be found there, and it has to be found somewhere else. And, and sometimes it can just be that there's a lack of empowerment in their real life that they don't feel that they can do things for themselves, or that the real world isn't going to give this to them, or you know. And that, that, that there's going to have some kind of magic thing that is going to kind of solve that for them. And that thing is MLM. Um, but yeah, I really feel for those people. And, and it, it's a lot tough for them because they're just going to keep... And it's not just the money they lose, but the fact that the hope that, they, that they're putting in the wrong place and that hope is never going to come back to them. And it's going to be a painful process ultimately when they realise that is, is dead, it's not there. And, and so what are they going to do with that? How are they going to find that from somewhere else? For me, they're the ones I really feel for. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. My heart breaks for them. And what's interesting about, you know, from hopping from one to another, because those at the top do too, when, you know, they stop making money and one, it starts going down, they've got to go somewhere else and perpetuate that. And I feel like those people that are at the bottom hopping from one to another, they're more inclined to then follow someone, even though they haven't had success, but they still are believing in their quote unquote leader. And that just rips my heart into. Now, before we go, is there a message that you would tell people that if you are worried about someone who is in MLM, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to them that to help them with the process of coming to terms of whether or not they can help their family member or, or friend? He's tough. That's such a difficult question, uh, you know. But the one thing, the one piece of advice that I think I always give people, they, they say it's a business opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, as you and I know, that often most people, that is not the case. So I would just say, um, just keep books, just keep a simple spreadsheet, the paper, write down each month how much I spend on the business, how much I make on the business, and how many hours I spent on it. And do some basic maths, you know, take your profit minus your expenses, divide it by the hours that you've worked to work out exactly what that is. And, and just, you know, encourage people. It, it is really hard when someone is a bit like a cult, if someone is in that, you know, and if you try and talk to them, you will be labeled a hater. Mm-hmm. So, but, so, so don't, 
don't, don't try and confront that because you'll be a bit wall and actually they'll shut down to you. They'll be told to ignore you. Um, but just encourage them and just say, look, just um, I'm really great. Happy you found it. You, you, you know, you seem to, to be really pleased with this. Just, just, you know, keep keep books and just just check them um, and just see how much money you make. I think for me, that's if it is a business opportunity, you know, that's not going to be that's not going to be foolproof because they, they might be told not to do it or they might do it and see they're losing money, but still be so brainwashed but I think that as a piece of advice um I, I would recommend anyone do that I think that's an excellent advice because you know it's it's the math the the, the the math doesn't lie you know when you actually do the math and I certainly didn't do any math when I jumped into Beachbody and that's the very scary thing most people don't because you're believing that person. Thank you so very much, Hannah, for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you so much for all the work that you do on your blog, The Talented Ladies Club. I really appreciate that. And you have such amazing content and it's always just so um, eye-opening. So thank you for the work. And, and ditto, you know, I, think, you know I, I know how much work goes into producing stuff you know, so, you know, same to you as well. I think it's important that, that we're doing this. Hannah's passion for exposing the truth about multi-level marketing further fuels my own desire to continue doing the same. I find it so interesting that when you go down the research rabbit hole of multi-level marketing, at some point, you just cannot deny that the entire industry seems to be some sort of coordinated effort to deceive and hence defraud people. The people at the top further fuel those at the bottom to keep going. After all, it only benefits them to have those at the bottom to continue making purchases and attempting to recruit other people. Recently, someone made a comment on one of my videos that they can't believe people still fall for these scams. Well, the thing is, there will always be people who are desperate and vulnerable. When you're in that type of situation, you are already disarmed a bit from your faculties and that is why I believe it is easy for those who are offering a so-called opportunity are able to slip in and rope people into the scheme. I hope to have Hannah back on as a guest soonish. We will be moving soon and I suspect it may take a few weeks to get back on track making regular content. I hope to do some live streams during this transition so that I maintain contact with my audience as we settle into our new home. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I appreciate it so very much. And remember, you're beautiful and I love you.